I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Now, I need you all for a project. James Jeffries, a friend of Robert's, is sponsoring Dumpty Dum. He is very nearly as clever as Robert and, actually, slightly more creative. He builds prototypes for the web and does some amazing things with data for arts and culture. In fact, I may ask him to work on the village website if I can loosen Jennifer's grip on the thing. He's worked with all the best people, you know. The BBC Research and Development team creating interactive story explorers for Home Front and Peaky Blinders. For the London Philharmonic Orchestra creating a prototype of a searchable archive of their historic performances. Once he even built some tweeting receipt printers for a Bill Drummond exhibition. Now that's the kind of innovation we need for the village show. So if you'd like to talk to him about your project idea, you could get in touch with him at... Robert, Robert, what's his email address? James at shedcode.co.uk That's James at s-h-e-d-c-o-d-e dot co dot u-k or you could have a browse of his website shedcode dot co dot u-k do tell him I was looking for him if you see him won't you I want him to design me a digital research of stone Hello everybody at Dumpty Dum, this is Auntie Jean here at the London meetup of Dumpty Dum. We've had a lovely time and even though Derek in the back bedroom, Royford and Lucy have had to go, the rest of Wonder us why. <laughs> the rest of us are going to sing a Dumpty Dum. So are we ready ladies? Yeah. We are. One, two, three. Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty Dumpty Dum Dumpty Dumpty Dum Dumpty Diddly Dum Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dum Dumpty 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 dum dumpty diddly dum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let let's get cracking, and um, you never know, we might even mention the archers in our conversation at some point. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you never know. Cool. All right, this is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the half-eaten mince pie who is Royfield Brown, and with me are the landowning mummy's boy and foe of Toby Fairbrother, who is uh, David Archer. 
<laughs> uh, aka Tim Bentinck. I, I forgot to queue up there, uh, Mr. B. I, I do, I do apologise. Um, today's rendition of the Archers theme tune was brought to you by Auntie Jean and the Dumpty Dum Xmas Posse. To bring in the new year, we are going to take a look back at some of the storylines in Ambridge over the years that um, have featured Brookfield and uh, David Archer and his family. Um, but first, before we dive into that, Mr. B, um, how's your Christmas been? It's been fantastic. It's been uh, it's been great. We've uh, amongst other interesting presents, I gave my son Will uh, the PlayStation VR uh, helmet. So we've been flying X-wing fighters, which uh, in in virtual reality, which I have to say is one of the most extraordinary experiences you could ever possibly oh, imagine. Wow. Yeah, it really is. And also the other thing we got is a thing called an, an, an Amazon an Alexa Dot, which uh, is, I don't know if you've come across it, it uh, basically is voice commands. Um, so you just walk into the room and you say, um, okay, um, you say, Alexa, play some sweet reggae music. And she goes, okay. And I go, Doom, comes out. It's just the coolest thing. <laughs> oh, wowza. Because... Yeah, so we're very 21st century uh, here this, this Christmas. It's been quite a techie Christmas. Uh, you know what? You're you're somewhat queuing me up for, for my last question, so I'm going to do the last question first. Now, okay, um, right. So at the turn of mil- uh, the millennium, yeah, um, when everyone was uh, kind of partying like it's 1999 and all of that, um, David and Ruth were planning to move away and farm in France, as your dad Phil wouldn't let you farm the way that you wanted. Um, can you remember much about that storyline? You. You, you set me up by giving me some notes for this. And when I read that, I went, <laughs> I simply cannot remember the idea of us ever wanting to move to France. I mean, there was this, you know, are, are we going to move north up to Hadley Hoch? Mm. Um, but do, do you know what? I simply cannot remember moving to France. I didn't. It can't have been a very long storyline, was it? Was it just well, a sort of a, it, a it passing was, thought? It was. Um, I can't remember exactly the, the reason um, why, but there's a little bit of tension between between you and an older archer yeah. uh, running for a few months beforehand. And you, right. in a fit of pique, said, you know what, Dad, if I can't have things my, my own way, uh, we're going to go and farm in France. But I, I suppose that's the first time that I kind of realised, looking back at uh, the various uh, storylines, that... This that basically January the first, obviously, is the birthday of the archers, but is mm-hmm. used by the writers to signal the end of a storyline or some kind of big dramatic shift. So, mm. uh, how important do you think that is actually for us to remember that in that kind of subtle way? Well, it, it's very clever of you to point that out, and I hadn't really kind of put two and two together in that way. Um, I think I'm not sure that it's done consciously. I think perhaps it's sort of an unconscious thing. Um, certainly, just at the moment, the um, the Robin Helen story is is you know coming to its close, and and whether or not, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know what they've got planned, but whether or not that's going to um, continue to bubble or not, it's mm-hmm. certainly not take not taking centre stage anymore. Um, we had uh, as you know, I mean. Because you know we 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 record five weeks ahead, so we have this weird thing where we have our Christmas and we have our New Year five weeks before everybody else, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have our real one. So um, you know we recorded that rather rather torturous <laughs> scene of Christmas with um, with Toby there, which was um, I thought terrifically well written and and very interesting. Um, 
and therefore you know then then the new year will bring you know new storylines and and new things and i think probably judging from the sense of 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 listening to you know to to friends who listen to the arches and to other people and to kind of feedback that there is a feeling that wonderful as the robin helen story was which it was you know it's mm-hmm. quite extraordinary and did what it what what the arches needs to do which is every now and again to bring in the younger listener um, because otherwise you know it, it dies with a generation and that that's always that's always a good thing. My worry is slightly, I'm not sure if I said this on the last time when we were chatting um, with Terry, um, slightly that, that people, the new listener will think that that's what it's always like, you know, that it's mm. always about kind of domestic abuse and, that, and those kind of storylines. And that actually, you know, the answers that we all know, um, the older listener and the more traditional, the long-term listener knows that it isn't always like that. And uh, it is more gentle and, you know, it tends to be more farming-centric and things. And whether or not people are going to be, the new listener might go, oh, mm, God, I didn't realise it was all like this. Um, so I'm slightly, slightly So you're concerned. trying to say uh, that people might be put off by talk of Herefords? Yeah. You never know. But, I mean, if they are, <laughs> then, you know, then there'll be a drop-off. But on the other hand, you might get people who are interested in domestic abuse who suddenly get turned on by farming, you know, so that's will <laughs> be a plus. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, from my point of view, just because we, you know, we only get paid per episode, it's been a bit of a fallow year for David and Ruth. We haven't had that much, but um, you know, we'll we'll pop back up, I'm sure, and we'll we'll be we'll be back. I mean, we, apart from anything else, we've got the the great storyline about the well, not the the ongoing thing about the generational thing, you know, between that I had between myself and and you know, but David had between uh. you know with, with his dad. Uh, and farming and the conflict between the ideas about about farming you know looking at that thing about france you know all of that has been been my life as being david i've had this sort of conflict with dad about generational things bringing in new ideas and that's precisely it's wonderful now you know to find that pip is we're having the same conversations you know kind of 20 years later um (laughs) the other way around and that David's, you know, being as it were, slightly more traditional and slightly more stick in the mud, and she's coming up with the new ideas. But I think he's more open, in a way, to to new ideas because he was like that himself. And mm. you know, to be fair, I mean, his father was Phil was like that with his own dad. He was always bringing in new ideas. So this is a this is an ongoing theme that each generation kind of wants to change things and bring in new ideas and and bring things up to date and and you know bring this bring bring um the farm into the 21st century you know kicking and screaming but but also how to survive because the reality for farmers is you know is is terribly terribly dire i mean the profit margins are tiny particularly with dairy farmers mm-hmm. how how do you survive and then these are uh, stories that are being put up in the program which are real they're not fiction you know that's what's so great about the program is that you ally um great drama with with the reality of life for farmers which um you know it was ever thus and long may it continue mm, absolutely now it's kind of interesting that you talked about the tension with you and phil and obviously the generational tension between you and uh, pip um but there has been another kind of tension hasn't there uh, between you you and ruth and one uh one of the <laughs> Back in 2006, um, mm. obviously, there was uh, the Sam, the, the Herdman uh, story. Yes, don't, don't, don't mention his name, actually. No. <laughs> well, I, I, feel, I feel I have to for the, se- for the sake of <laughs> the podcast. I know. Um, I mean, the, the very name Sam, it was so great when she went off to New Zealand and the, and the tour leader there, his name was Sam, and I was able to, to, to say yes. it with the, all the hatred that I could possibly put into three-letter word. <laughs> Sam! <laughs> That was very um, funny. So th- there has been um, an ongoing tension between um, 
you who's uh kind of born into farming and and ruth who went off to, to farming kind of college didn't she and yeah. and back in 2006 obviously we had the the sam story <clears throat> sorry yeah. i had to say that um and kind of at the end of it one of the things that ruth want, wanted to do was to become um basically to run the herd and you're a little bit kind of sniffy about that so yeah you know um can you remember much about that but also how was the dynamic between uh, you know this husband and wife farming team being played out during during your marriage actually on the show do you think well it's been a, it's been a long sort of drawn out acceptance from david's point of view of not to be you know kind of misogynistic about it and saying that there is a role for you know for women in farming and that's mm-hmm. that was done very much on purpose that wasn't obviously me that was the scriptwriters and that mm-hmm. was the um, w- what wanted to be done because of course it is and you know you look at husband and wife farmers um, around the world and they are a team and there is now there's no difference between the two at all whereas it, before I think it probably was more sort of male centrist and, and 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 David had to be educated about that and has now mm. accepted it I think completely I mean he really admires her farming ability and her ability to be able to do absolutely everything on the farm I think they think of themselves both of them as a as a team and that was very clear with the whole moving north story about when you know David made executive decisions on his own without consulting her, and she quite rightly got very pissed off about that, um, and said, you know, I thought we were a team, um, and you know he for his own reasons and his own slight kind of closing, you know, close onto a nervous breakdown. That whole that whole thing yeah. about hearing his dad in his ears. I mean, I thought it was so well done, so well written, and. Um, um, so yeah i mean in terms of at that point about her being the herd manager yes there was a it was a there was a it was great drama to be able to see that david was resistant to that for a long time but eventually he came round to it and she's proved herself to be you know everybody as good as he as anybody else um the underlying kind of ramifications of her nearly having an affair with sam you know, have uh, have lingered on, which is what, again, is so extraordinary about this program is that it's not a book. It's not a play. It's not something that is, you know, has a beginning, a middle and an end. It goes on and on and on. And so when she went off last year to New Zealand um, and this worry about, you know, is she going to come come back and what is their marriage like that? Uh, that ref- was, you know, had the echoes of the, uh, of the 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 Sam affair thing that's mm-hmm. bubbling up. That's there. It's, it never goes away. You know, in my mind, anyway. I don't know. I mean, it's not written, but in my mind, he's terrified because you know he adores her and he loves her and he doesn't want to lose her. And uh, any kind of hint of the idea that that's not reciprocal um, it scares scares the living daylights out of him. Tim, yeah. who does he fear losing most? His mother or his wife? His wife, because his his mother's, you you know, yeah, because his mum's old and she's going to die. He knows that. And also, you know, his father has died and, you know, people died. So generationally, she, you know, he knows that his mother's, his mother is going to, is going to die and that he will have to cope with that. And he will. Um, I think he's much, much more terrified about losing, about losing his wife and, or, you know, even more so his children, which Mm. is the nature, it's the nature of things. You know, it's how everybody is really, isn't it? Mm. We're all like that. I mean, you very cheekily introduced me as Mummy's boy. I mean, there's um, <laughs> David is Mummy's boy, and I think Sir, I said I, fe- I, I feel I've been accurate, not not cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a very very close relationship with his mother, and that you know that's written, you know that's there in mm. the, in the writing. But it's also, 
um, and I've you know admitted to this. It's it, you know I'm I'm enormously fond of Paddy, and I think I've said my mum died when I was 13, and so she is. She has been you know I've been in the program 35 years, and she's been like a mother figure to me. Mm. So if that comes over, then I'm not you know I don't I don't mind about that. That's okay. It's all right. To, it's all right to love your mum. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, kind of looking back at all these kind of old storylines, it does appear that. Um, we all know, number one, that Brookfield is actually the epicentre of, of the Archers as a dramatic construct. Hmm. Uh, and then January the 1st is the birthday of the show. So, um, But looking back at all, all these storylines, um, you know, the, the, the script writers, past and present, have used January the 1st to look at the future uh, of of Brookfield but all, mm. and, and and then have kind of seemed to market obviously in 2000 very clearly but then back in in 2011 that, that was less about Brook, Brookfield but and more of um getting rid of a, an archer's kind of fan favorite so mm. how important do you think um and we kind of touched on this before but how important mm. do you think marking the show's birthday actually is and should be really so um let, let, let's talk about that and then go on to you getting away with murder back in 2011 <laughs> um you mean do you mean about how, marking particular kind of like 50th and 60th and things like that yeah don't, yeah don't and also just the fact that it's the show's birthday because the one thing which i've realized um a couple of weeks back um june dumpty dum is that in terms of soaps, this is the only soap that absolutely does mark birthdays and wedding anniversaries every year. So you, mm. you have an idea when Brian and Jennifer's wedding anniversary is. And, you know, when I, when I was watching Corrie as a kid, I couldn't have told you when Stan and Hilda's uh, wed- wedding was, wedding anniversary. Uh, you know, it is, you know, it absolutely does, you know, and, yeah. and it is, it is the, the regularity of the panto. You know, Linda doing the panto is the panto because it's always the same thing every year. Yeah. Um, your wedding anniversary with Ruth is always mentioned, etc. Um, mm. And it's absolutely unique in that way. And and I think you know this whole thing of January the first and the little focus for the most part being pushed back to Brookfield is is definitely a, a, a recurrence and a, a, a nod and a wink to um, to the birthday anniversary of the whole show. Well, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. And obviously, I mean, there is a difference between the marking of the fictitious birthdays of the characters mm. and the marking of the actual um, birthday of the program, which obviously, you know, you can't say, oh, you know, <laughs> we've been here for 60 years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. As I say, I don't know whether or not that's conscious that it's that it come, you know, comes back to, to Brookfield um, for for that moment. I think that you know from the publicity team's point of view they're always going to mark you know the the the, the anniversaries of the program with a five and a naught in it um mm. in you know in order to kind of just to drum up you know attention and as i say to keep you know to keep new listeners coming in that's it's such an important thing you've got to you can't be sit back on your laurels with the arches and just let it poodle along you've got to bring in the you know the new listener and if that needs and if that's done by by using you know, mark, marking the the anniversaries of the program um then that that may, may well be it in terms of um um the what's what was known as um s-a-t-t-c shock ambridge to the core which was mm-hmm. a quote that vanessa said um that was going to be for the uh what was it the 60th and then um, yeah. um and nigel yes i mean that was uh 
that it was very, very contentious. I mean, the thing about it is I never heard anybody say that they were really pleased that he went. Um, I've never heard anybody say that it was a great thing for the program. Um, and, you know, from our point of view as actors, we were very, very sad to see Graham go. And you know, also from my point of view as uh, as from you know turning it around when I'm the other side of the thing, speaker listening to it, I accept the fact that you know he, that his was a very very idiosyncratic character, and mm. you need you need those characters, you need those people who sound different, you need those characters who are different. Otherwise, you know you you, you never want to have that thing where you turn the radio on, you go in the arches and you go, I don't know who's talking to each, you know who who that is. People need to have a voice which is clearly them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and, you know, I know that somebody new, new listeners could listen to me and to, um, the Alistair, of Alistair and, yeah. you know, and various others with sort of RP accents and things. And, and that there is a kind of a, you know, you all know what I sound like. And of course I'm completely idiosyncratic, but a new listener might not be able to make those distinctions, distinctions. And if you listen to Nigel Pargeta, there was no, you know, there was absolutely nobody who sounded anything like him. Mm. Um, and so, and those, you know, those characters are important. And also just as an archetype archetype about who what he represented um you know the silly ass toff you know there's a there's a mm-hmm. there's a place for that so now you've got um you know people like uh, like justin elliott played by the you know completely idiosyncratically voiced simon williams who we all know from um upstairs downstairs well some of us might do um uh, and he you know he's sort of you know he's a sort of i guess replacement for that kind of archetype Mm. um but yeah pushing pushing nigel as you know i did you know i didn't he didn't just fall he uh he was was pushed in fact i was talking to this lovely guy called john who's um, one of our spot effects guys who works in the who does the grams and things in the studio and and comes in and does uh, spot effects with us he took showed me a photograph of uh, because it was his tiles from his roof Mm-hmm. That they used as the sound effect for Nigel slipping, and he's got he's framed it. He's he's got a, these tiles framed and with the um, <laughs> title underneath it. These were the very tiles that Nigel slipped on when he fell to his doom. And you know the story about the elongated screen, don't you? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, half a mile high or something or another. Yeah, because they extended it in post production, and the extra because we worked out in, when we were doing it you know, how how high how high is it, how long would the screen be, and he did it. You know, mm-hmm. it was quite short because it wouldn't be. You know, you you're in the air, bath. Yeah, and we did that, and then they thought they felt it wasn't dramatic enough, and so they they elongated it in in post production, and that was why well, it was a bit contentious. <laughs> <laughs> so we did our job right, but they they over dramatized it. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it did sound more dramatic like that. No, good. no, no, it did, it did. You raise an interesting point about the accents, and it's something which is kind of ongoing on social media, and and, and I'm sure you've seen it that a lot of the younger, newer characters um, do sound much more homogenous. But it, it, it kind of occurred to me, and I'm a, a kind of a map and history kind of geek, less uh-huh. low, less so of a linguistics one, but we are actually losing regional accents. And, mm. you know, this is just a fact, a fact of modern British life. And things like, ironically, the BBC are mm. helping to kind of to deaden those things. So in lots of ways, um, the younger characters being more interchangeable in terms of their accents is actually mm. somewhat realistic to, to British life, wouldn't you think? Mm. You know, you, you, you listen back to those old recordings of the archers and, yeah. and, and it is something from 
from another planet, literally, you know, kind of accent wise. And I presume was more, much more reflective of rural Britain back then. Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, there are some accents which, you know, people, particularly city accents, which mm. which people stick to, which which aren't going to go away anytime soon. I mean, yeah. you know, I was down in Bristol recently and I mean, I was at drama school there and everything and I got mates, you know, old John Telford down there. Um, who plays the the vicar? Um, and you know, you 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 go into a pub in Bristol, and that hasn't changed. You know, that's 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 still you know very very much a Bristolian accent, and it's not just Mama set; it's Bristolian. It's mm. different. Um, and you know, you go down to the West Country. That's West Country down there. Um, you go, you know, Scouse. That's not going to go away anytime soon. You know, Carlsegen. Um, it's not going to go away anytime soon either. You know, you got Jazzer. <laughs> at least you got Jazzer there. Um, Geordie isn't going to go away. You know, there are there, there are some regions where it's it, and Yorkshire. You know, and mm. uh, with, and I mean, uh, on the other hand, uh, I mean, at the moment, you know, I'm in Norfolk at the moment, and that old Norfolk accent that certainly is going. You know, the younger generation they don't talk like that. They ain't got that whole Norfolk thing. Um, it's not. It's much more kind of Londonized. It's a kind of a mm. creeping estuarine English, which is coming up, you know, through Essex, through Suffolk, into Norfolk and things. And the younger generation, you, you, it's still there a bit, but a lot of it, a lot of it's going. And I think perhaps it's those milder accents that are that 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 are just being muted. You know, they're not as strong, particularly. And they're not. The other thing is that dialect is dying out. You know, that, mm. you, that where you'd have not just the accent, but all the words would be different. Um, and that every, you know, you go. I mean, I remember when I was in Bristol, um, the next door neighbour, I would go into the pub and you'd hear, listen to them. You couldn't understand them because they weren't using English words. They were using <laughs> Bristolian dialect, you know. Mm. I think that's the kind of thing that's that's being homogenised by television. Same thing in America. You know, you look at old the, those old accents, fascinating fishing communities up in Nantucket and on um, in, in uh, and the northeast, those islands up there, which is which where they were so isolated for such a long time that in, that a hundred years ago, those accents in, in, on those fishing communities were were Devon, they were mm. Devon accents. Yeah, yeah. And th- and they've been then been homogenised by just by by television, you know, completely. And uh, no, yeah. it, it, no, that that's absolutely kind of spot on. I about ten years ago or so met um, someone from Nova Scotia. No, right. no, not not from Nova Scotia, New, New Finland in, New, in Canada. New yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And I just said to her, "So, um, where in Ireland are you from?" And mm-hmm. you know, and she gave me that kind of world weary look, and she says, "Yes, mm-hmm. that's what everybody thinks. I'm yeah. from New Finland." And it's like, and and you look back at the history of that isolated bit of Canada, and they were mm. all Irish fishermen, and they just mm. sound so Irish. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible. You know, I know. So. It, I have to say, it's a pet subject of mine. It absolutely fascinates me, and I've been. I, I'm, I'm my my one of my intentions this year is to is to work up a pitch to do to the BBC to do a TV program to to front the TV program um, about the nature of of the English accent and how it muted and it changed, and to look at the difference between the north and the south and the and where that comes from historically about the the the, the invasion of the Danes. And the Anglo-Saxons, and w- whether or not you know the Wessex and Anglo-Saxon, um, and, and that, that North-South divide with the Dane law, 
um, mm. is reflected in modern um, north-south divide in the accents. And then to look at, you know, the American accent and how it changed and, and where that old thing come from, you know, down south, where on earth, you know. Because mm. I've read it. I've read a lot about it, but it's never satisfactorily explained. Also, I've got a theory about Australian, which is closer to Norfolk than it is to, to English. And what I what I want to do is to get come, to get some professor of linguistics who really knows the subject mm. and then and then me to go and go and interview people and get them to talk and then for me to be able to you know because that's my job is is accents you know that's what i do well is to is to is to listen and hear and then try and reflect what it is and to work out you know where these these historical movements came mm. from i think it'd be really interesting well listen um you'll, you've got one listener there and if and if you and if the bbc uh, don't say yes to to you um just come back to me we'll do a podcast there cool. <laughs> um, is an amazing podcast called The History of English, which isn't about accents, but it's just about the history of the development of the English language mm. um, uh, done by a, an, an American. Uh, it's very, very, very good. Uh, oh, great. So g- give that a listen. He's up to he's just got to Middle English. Oh, good. Uh, and, and what's brilliant about that is just hearing um and just how you know language obviously goes ra- round and round so the, the so we, the norman conquest and you've got all these um norman uh w- all these french words that come in through through mm. the through the norman invasion but actually how some words and don't ask what these words are actually were norse words which went uh, mm. into Norman French we then got mangled then come back in into English then sit yeah. alongside the original Norse words themselves so it's absolutely fascinating but but give yeah. the history of English a little bit of a listen ideal for a commute when you when you're traveling up from Norfolk to Birmingham on the train to, to do the arches so excellent I will do that is that that's an iPlayer is it yeah well no not on, uh, on iTunes the oh, on iTunes English. okay yeah. Now, you're kind of increasingly popping up talking about an iPlayer. Uh, mm. You have been on my iPlayer. Now, I was watching um, Tim Roth uh, being all kind of dastardly and, and evil. Mm. And, and, and there you were on Ridlington Place. As, yeah, as Dr. Odette. Oh, you've got a terrible bedside manner. i know it was great with samantha morton i had this one day in glasgow where i had literally had one scene with her and then the next she went out and the next thing in comes in comes tim again Mm -hmm. um which was so weird because i literally i was going to be calling it the the year of the roth because i did a film where i had a a lead with um, with his son jack roth thing called Mm -hmm. us and them which is which is coming out at the moment and then the very next job i got was um was this thing Reg about this guy Reg Keys, who was a true character who um, took on Tony Blair at Sedgefield and the general election because his son had been killed in Iraq and he, he, he thought he went out on a lie. And I was I played Frederick Forsyth, who was out on the campaign trail with him. And then the very next job I got, got was this was Rillington Place. And Tim Roth walks in and he said to me, "Are you stalking me?" Like <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, "No, mate." I said, "Just every single, you know, every single production from now on, you're going to be, and you've got to have me in it, you know, as, as a lucky, your lucky charm, because you know, I might end up working with Tarantino if I work that way." Um, but no, it was, it was, it was great. Yes, he was. Um, Doctor Odess was uh, was rather down on poor old uh, Mrs. Christie. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. And uh, have you seen um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? I, I haven't yet. Because you know, I start that. I pretty much open that movie. Have you seen me you know that? Well, uh, 
I, you know, <laughs> from what I heard, I read the reviews and they said without you, the central yeah. point, the, the central premise of the whole thing just falls to pieces. <laughs> Absolutely right. It's it, 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 well, it's completely because I didn't realize because they don't send you the script. You know, all I had was my side, so I knew nothing about the film at all. Mm-hmm. And my lines are opening this thing up. Uh, you know, this this blitzed um, building. And saying, you know, it was uh, was like a like a wind or like a like a ghost with with bright shining eyes and a dove down there, down underground. And at that moment, the kind of the wall cracks and the whole kind of pavement cracks up and everything. And then the whole film is all about this wind with um, bright shining eyes. So I was basically, I had no idea that I'd kind of introduced the main character of the film. <laughs> it was really funny. And right at the end, in, in comes old, um, you know, Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Um, who comes in right at the end, who's got fewer lines than I have. But you can be sure, I've worked it out, he's probably got. He's probably on 12,000 times the amount of money that I was <laughs> <laughs> but it, But you know what, though, right? You kind of, in a way, you want to have what he has, but you don't in, in to, to a certain degree as well, because he is one of the most overpaid actors in Hollywood <laughs> in terms of box office receipts. So he's actually overpaid. Yeah, I saw that. That one of the, it's the, the yes. amount you pay to the amount that uh, to the amount of box office receipt. Yeah, he's not worth the money. Mm. No, you get me, you see, and um, <laughs> it's the complete opposite. You make millions and millions because you only have to pay me a few grand. You know, that's it. <laughs> I tell you, I've got a nice. I finally did crack up a, a, a part. I mean, going up to some to some nice stuff. I managed to go up three times for the crown, mm-hmm. um, which, considering I'm you know a bit posh, mm-hmm. the fact that I didn't get them, I was pretty pissed off. Mind you, I've been watching it just recently, and it is it is terrific. And it luckily, good, all yeah. the character, all the parts that I was up for have gone to very short, very fat, very old people. Um, so I've gone. That's fine. That's okay. I wouldn't have got it, but I have got a part. Um, I'm off to South Africa next month um just for a week i've got a, a nice part in a in a new bbc series called um the last post which is all about aden in the 1920s and i'm um, i'm going to be the brigadier in charge of a court martial that goes on for an entire episode so yeah i've got a week in south africa and it's ah. great because i've never been to south africa so that would be nice uh, that's a n- nice start to the year hey, so um which bits of uh, the empire haven't you been to that you'd like to go to? Because I, I, I know you are brought up in, in Australia, so you got that yeah. kind of covered. Um, India? Done India? I haven't done India. My sister went and did India. She, um, extraordinarily, age 73, went backpacking in India mm-hmm. on a kind of pleat ple- wow. shoestring. So she's been giving me chapter and verse about that. And I'm not terribly good in the incredible heat, and it is so hot there. I think I'd have to go in, in the off-season. I'm kind of, um, I'm slightly more drawn to Canada, actually. I kind of, I like the, you know, I like the mountains and the, and the snow. Um, and um, I've been to Canada once when I was, when I had this job um, driving tourists around America and went drove twice around working for a company called trek america when i was mm-hmm. in my 20s um and i went to canada a bit there but i'd like i'd love to go there just because of the the beauty of the of the countryside and the old canucks are, you know that is kind of like america light isn't it you know the, mm, the, no, absolutely they're a bit more they're a bit more um you know the weird thing about if you'd want to do a scottish um, um a canadian accent is all you do then is you do um you do american and then you put scots on the top of it which is where you get that aboot thing, you know, the Canadians ah. are always a giveaway when they say, well, oh, going aboot here. Yeah. And that that's completely from Scottish. 
interestingly that's uh, when i was doing fantastic beasts and i had to go and work with this uh, voice um uh, voice coach which i've never done before mm-hmm. we spent my whole life doing voices and she said yeah so it's brooklyn i went yeah so it's um it's kind of basically it's 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 dutch isn't it she said what i said because manhattan used to be it used to belong to holland it was dutch mm. and then the english came in and so you, you know, you got to show basically what you do is you had to you had to think of a, a Dutch accent and then you put that on top of American accent. And so you go to America, uh, Dutch on top of American and then it turns into uh, to New Jersey. It t- turns into Brooklyn. And then you get that whole thing, Toidy Toid Street. And that's where that whole thing comes from. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, really? I went, yeah, that's what I think. She said, this is a, you know, this is a top voice coach and she didn't know. But um, that's and it's, it's things like that that fascinate me, you know. When you when you amalgamate two two accents, you put them together, and you come up with a third one, like mm. you know, like in like in Canada, great stuff, love it. <laughs> um, there's, I'm going to ping you a link when I can actually find it. Another thing which kind of blew my mind. It's not not linguistics, but um, you talked about the Dane law and how that's affected um kind of accents in the north and the east uh, of england mm. and i know i remember the classic thing which i was learned from school is um place names with with a, a by on the end your darbys yeah. and your tembys are, are all uh, norse uh, founded yeah. towns and uh, and you can see the line of them that go up the old uh Inkneels way the old roman road and because the dane law was to the east and the oh. anglo-saxon england uh, was was to the west right so um but a map which blew me away is the, and we're really getting off of the archers here, but we you know are, what, are, it, it, it's no. my podcast and we're having a chat and I can do whatever <laughs> I want. <laughs> um, it absolutely blew my mind. I said, I will find this link. I'll, I'll post it on um, on our, on our Dumdy Dum uh, Twitter okay. feed as well. It is the preponderance of blonde hair in Europe. Uh, oh. Okay. And it maps it. My God, Mr. Bentink, does that thing show you historical really? movements? So you see the Dane law. You w- you wouldn't have thought that, you know, some, what, 12, 1300 years after the the, uh, the Viking invasions, that the preponderance of uh, blonde hair maps the Dane law. It absolutely Good does. God. Good you, God. you can see the Norse um, invasion of northern France, i.e. Normandy. You mm-hmm. can you can see the um, the old Moscovoy principality in Russia because that was founded by Vikings. Also, you can see the boundaries of the Roman Empire because he, it, the other side of it, there's much more blonde hair. Mm. And then, of course, you know, in France, in Italy, um, etc., then the preponderance of blonde hair falls dramatically it's the most fascinating thing and i will send it to you and there is something to be you know so this whole thing about linguistics and actually the patterns of migration and actually Mm. the echoes of that aren't just with um accents and and with words and 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 with language but also uh you know to do with um you know genomes and 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 ethnotypes it's it's absolutely Mm. fascinating absolutely fascinating completely up my street mate thank you very much indeed i really look forward to seeing that that's great <laughs> well and on that note sir <laughs> i just yes. wish you a happy 2015 2017 so it seems yeah. that um for you um you know you've got more and more acting work so so, so that's a good thing 
Well, you know, time needs must. I mean, the fact that there was a bit of a drop off on the arches meant, um, you know, I had a word with the agent and I said, you know, let's go. In fact, the person I'm having lunch with in 10 minutes is is my agent. So I'll be chatting about that. But she's been great because I've only been with her for a couple of years. And um, uh-huh. it's it is it's picking up. And, you know, that's the nature of the beast. I'm an actor and um, and, you know, lovely as the arches is and fantastic and, and honored as I am to be in it. Uh, you know one does want to stretch one's wings as an actor and you do want to have interesting parts and do you know do different things so um you know bring it bring it on and um and i'm also i'm finishing just finishing off my uh, autobiography in fact i'm Mm -hmm. kind of i think i've i think i've kind of come to the end of it i've done a hundred and hundred and three thousand words now so that's going to go off to the publisher and the deadline's march so uh, it will be it will be out in christmas 2017 oh um, well, which know, is going to be called it's going to be called um it's going to be called well this is the working title it's uh, going to be called being david archer and then underneath it and other unusual ways of earning a living so it's <laughs> it's it's got a huge archers section um and and then and and the rest you know sort of funny things that have happened over my life so it's been it's been a real extraordinary exploration kind of going back on one's life it's a, you know it's a weird thing to do right right writing you know the history of your life it re- brings back a lot of memories and you you're you're turning over stones that have been kept you know closed and you're opening things up um to you know it's quite cathartic actually it's really quite cathartic. well i'll i'll be thumbing through that to see references to the kind of insightful interviews that you know, <laughs> I, i've put you through you're right <laughs> absolutely spot on in fact i shall go downstairs now and write that in <laughs> <laughs> i recommend <laughs> you do <laughs> um, and let me, can i have this opportunity of saying to to all the listeners to say a, a really really happy new year to you all of you and i hope you had a great christmas and i hope you've been enjoying the arches and um you know it's never going to get boring it's never going to get dull there'll always be something for you to shout at um and i hope you've had some nice interesting um you know digital radios for christmas that you can shout at them in perfect clarity uh, <laughs> and and enjoy it and um and, and thank you for listening <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, but we're just going to do a little bit of um, shopkeeping now, and then you can yes. quickly give us your uh, Twitter handle. And I say something like this: dumdydum.com. Well, folks, it's been down recently because of those pesky Azerbaijanis and their Russian cousins. However, um, the site by the time this uh, podcast goes up should be back up, and uh, there will be news on the new direction that the show's going to have to take if we're going to be serious and grown up about things in 2017 but there'll be news on that um, in a future podcast so dumdydum.com go there it's got a shop you can buy things there's a forum you can do stuff it's awesome itunes reviews we haven't had any for ages please send them in because we want to be top of those podcasting charts and actually we are in what's hot for tv and, and media um in, in itunes but we want to get to the top of all the charts not just the what's hot section so please write us an itunes review if you haven't done so already now folks um there's going to be a big fundraising drive in 2017 uh, because we can't have this site keep on going down because it's been hacked uh but you can help us by uh donating to us and there's a couple of ways this can be done you can do it by going onto the site when it's back up and hitting that donate button or you can go to patreon.com and you can donate uh two dollars a show it has to be in dollars because it's an american website but they convert it to pounds and all sorts and then um it goes to pay our server and host and all that kind of malarkey so patreon.com or hit that donate button
remember folks there's two ways you can there's a few ways sorry you can get in contact with us you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website hit, simply hit that little red button or if that befuddles you you can go to 0203 to leave us a telephonic message from your own phone if that you know if the website doesn't work for you um, and we need your voices on our regular show so please go and do that on social media, you can find us where we are at Me, I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I, for India, F-I-E-L-D. Harriet, the voices of a thousand archers women. You can find her at Sandbridges. Lucy's at Lucy B. Freeman. And uh, Mr. Mr. B, how can people find you on the Twitters? I'm at Tim Bentink, all one word, T-I-M-B-E-N-T-I-N-C-K. That's a bit of an interesting surname, though. We've never really properly dr- drilled into your surname, but it, it's Dutch, isn't it? Well, it is Dutch, and funny enough, just a couple of months ago, um, um, me and Judy and Will, my son, went over to Holland for a day-long symposium on the world of the Bentinks, um, which was ah. attended by all these a- academics from Holland and Germany and France and England. Um, when I sat there listening to um, these extraordinary analysis of, uh, of of my direct ancestors, yeah, we're Dutch. But came over with William of Orange um, for the Glorious Revolution. My ancestor Hans Willem Bentinck was the close right hand man of of William of Orange, and without Bentinck, um, it wouldn't have happened, and the whole of European history would have been different. So he was a very important man. But um, my branch of the family has been sort of mostly English, sort of Anglo Dutch um, ever since that. Then that was 1689. Um, so yeah, we're um, you know we're, we're English. We know got the, I passed the cricket test. You know most of, most <laughs> of my most of my ancestors were in the army or in the navy. So we've done our bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to do a bit of a boring history segue, as is my want on my own podcast. But I've always been kind of fascinated by those kind of historical echoes and. Uh, the Royal Dutch House of, of Orange is always been mm. fascinating for me because um, originally um, they're from Orange in, in France. Then mm-hmm. they become the stat holders, the state holders yeah. um, in, in Holland. It's the House of Holland. And then it's Dutch migrants that then go to South Africa and hence you have the Orange Free State. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have Orangemen in, in Northern Ireland who's another echo of um, exactly that kind of that ran about the time of the glorious revolution and it and, mm. it, and it's protestants being associated with the color orange and then of course on the irish tricolor you have orange uh, as a symbol of um the protestant bit of ireland and and green bit on the tricolor is to you know denote the catholics mm. but i could bore on forever about this this type of stuff <laughs> mr b and on that note um if I think... you want just to just to interrupt you if you want some more information on the family thing um my website which i'm uh, having uh, um, it's got so much on it i keep meaning to update it to be a response responsive one and i do other people's mm. but mine is still old-fashioned but it's all there it's www.bentink dot net b-e-n-t-i-n-c-k dot net so have a look at that and go to family section and you can read all about it <laughs> fab 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 we'll do this again sometime soon um great. have a great wonderful smashing super 2017 um and go meet your agent thank you very much bye everybody bye bye mate bye. brilliant bye bye thanks tim
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.